I'll put that in. Okay, great. Hey, everybody. My name is Michael Rosso. This is the Film Photography Podcast. I'm here with uh, the whole gang, Chaka Block, uh, starting <laughs> starting from my left, Matt Marash. Hey, how's it going, guys? Mark Dalzell. Hello. John Fideli. Who told you that? Mark O'Brien. Hey there. Leslie Lazenby. iPod people. And my name is Michael Rosso. I said that already. Okay, so. We have cookies. <laughs> oh. Open up with a letter, please. What do we got? Oh, got Mark O'Brien. It's from Richard Fletcher in the UK. And he says, hello, FPP gang. Coming up to my first anniversary, listening to the show. What show? And I still love what you lovely people are doing. You all bring very individual points of view, especially uh, Mark Dalzell. Excellent advice. Ad- advice. <laughs> no, it doesn't say that. <laughs> Excellent advice or just about anything in the genuine chemistry between you makes for an entertaining commute. Since visiting the store for the first time back in the spring, I've discovered all these amazing film stocks you've yeah. been talking about. From the beautiful Svima 125 to the yes. Rich Eastman Kodak Double X. Double X. Also encountered with some interesting expired stuff along the way. I have yet to develop my Vision 3 250D, but now I know how to remove the REM jet. Don't be scared. Finally, a question. I heard from both Mark O and Mark D mention the undo pinhole cameras on the shoe over the past few weeks and was wondering if either of them were going to talk about them more in the future. Shoe? What shoe? I've had my 12x6 version for about 18 months, and as well as being a great piece of design, I found to be a joy to use. Nice to see Pinhole Photography getting some love with the arri- arri- bleh, bleh. recent arrival <laughs> of the pin box. Say that again? <laughs> <laughs> nice to see Pinhole Photography getting some love with the recent arrival of the pin box. I particularly enjoyed Leslie's blinged up version, as John would say, jackapot. <laughs> Keep up the good work. Best wishes, Rich Fletcher from the UK. Thank you, Rich. Thanks, Rich. Yeah, very nice. nice. Wait, that's that's awesome. The Andu pinhole. Well, I don't think we've talked more about it because I'm not sure if we've shot any more than I think recently. We talked about the new Kickstarter. The new one, yeah, yeah. Last couple episodes ago. Yeah. But I have the I have the six by nine, and I like that version a lot because the negative carriers and all will fit mm-hmm. it just fine. Mm-hmm. Rich, Rich mentions the FPP online store and the new stocks that we've brought in, and I just want to. Uh, mentioned that we have some new new stocks in the FPP online store. We now carry Cinestill, the 50D, and the 800T in both uh, 35 millimeter, uh, 120, and we also do a 620. Everyone was marveling at the 35 millimeter Street Candy ATM film, and this is film. It's a black and white films that was in ATM machines. Pretty oh, cool. really? Yes. I, I thought maybe he put it in the It's madness here. It's madness here. All this is, is caused by UFOs. Uh, it's 400 ISO. It's black and white. It's brand new to the store. I'm testing a roll right now. Mark O is going to do a one of his famous one-roll reviews. Oh, yeah. Of course, we also carry the JCH uh, Street Hunter film. Street Pan. <laughs> I'm um, looking for a street. That's a, that's a uh, uh, Chuck Norris movie. Street <laughs> Hunter. JCH Street Pan. Uh, that comes in 35 millimeter, 120, and 620 here in the FPP. He also mentioned Pinbox. Pinbox in stock? 
pin box in stock. What does that mean? I ordered one and it came in the mail. So it's do in you stock. have Michael Rosso in the FPP store? Are yes. you currently stocking and do you have stock of the pin box? Uh, Ham Camera Company pin box. Yes. Ham Cam- Great. <laughs> it's a 120 film camera that you make yourself. Yep. Yeah. Build it yourself. Yeah, Fling it up. Flare it out. One of the most exciting things that has happened is for Matt is that Matt went to Africa. Matt, this is such an exciting topic. Like, I mean, there's not, <laughs> there aren't too many photographers I know, film photographers I know that are like, hey, yeah, I'm going to Africa. Yeah, no. It so came, what, what, what happened? Yeah, well, it came up out of the blue. So, uh, you know, I've mentioned uh, my buddy Tariq on the podcast before. He shoots with uh, 4x5. He does like a lot of studio stuff in town. Uh, his his mainstay is he works with uh, refugees and helping them kind of integrate into you know American society. And he had a uh, buddy of his that was moving back to his home in Senegal, which is west coast of Africa. And both Tariq and myself wanted to do a trip where we forced ourselves to use large format. And wow. we wanted to get out of our comfort zone. So That's a way out. Way out, yeah. We, we booked a trip. You guys want to see some stuff? Yeah. So... I brought Portra because I know that was like going to be a go-to. I wanted to really just make it special, and then I told uh, our friends at Fujifilm. Uh, do you, you remember? Do you remember Jackie at Fujifilm? She used Hi. to hook us up at the booth. No, I remember the gentleman. She sent me some Velvia mm. to shoot nice. on the trip. Mm. So I've got some Velvia I can show you guys that I shot over there. We we did kind of the whole the whole touristy thing, but we also. Uh, hooked up with well, what's an. What's the touristy thing? You went on safari? No, no. Uh, West Coast of Africa. There's not too much safari. There are okay. some animals, but not so much. There was there was just a lot of cool landscape to shoot. Uh, we went to this went to this lake over there. It's it's like a, a salt uh, like a big salt lake. Uh, so it was hot pink, like Pepto Bismol pink, and you could just like reach in with a cheesecloth and like salt would come out kind of thing, which was cool. So I shot some of that. We stayed in Dakar, which is like the the capital of Senegal. It's like. It's like Manhattan. There's like millions of people there in a very, very small space. So there was like a little bit of street shooting. There was a fish market we uh, we went to and shot. How was the sanitation situation? Oh well, it was it was a situ it was a situation. Um, Yeah, I was I was incredibly out of my comfort zone. I had no expectations going in, but we made some really cool work. we hooked up with an NGO, which is a non-government organization over there. A lot of the funding for the country comes from outside the country, mm-hmm. and we helped these guys out. Uh, we got a tour of kind of how they're helping they're helping folks that are still living out in the country there. Tariq and I are actually going to be putting on a show here in the not-so-distant not so future, and uh, all proceeds are going to go help the, help the NGO. Oh, so it's not just nice. like, you know, your standard uh, boilerplate. But it was, uh, it was fun. So here, I'll pass around some Velvia. These are just the... So just, when were you there time, month-wise? Uh, I was there the first two weeks of November. And, and what was your weather, temperature like? Oh, super solid. So we're real close to the equator. So yes. it was just uh, high of 85. Low of 83. What's hanging from the trees in that picture? Oh, so that's the national tree, the baobab. They're these giant trees, and that's what's called monkey fruit. Oh. Hanging from those. makes a really eat those? Yeah, and make a really good juice out of it. Yeah. Got to make some of that. So you're right right alongside the Atlantic Ocean, just the other side of it when you're there, which is kind of cool. Oh, here's one from the the salted... uh, Any... The the pink lake. Problems with mosquitoes, Matt? Oh well, you know you do have to be up on your malaria shots and uh, all the other all the other shots that go along with it. Um, let's see. Here's one from the fish market. We need a light. We need that light table, Mark. So awesome. Using a, w- a wide lens. 
I I brought them all. Okay. Oh, so of course. Not, not just my, day by ten, I but every I brought my super wide all the way through my telly. So. Matt, what are some of the challenges of like going to a whole different country with? I mean, so you have a backpack, and then your backpack is like all your gear. I I brought infinitely more photo gear than clothes or anything else. Two pairs of underwear and this camera. No, it's, you're not far off. And then a, a two socks he had he used for the lens tubes. It was a logistical nightmare, and I was uh, I was tense until I came back. And once once I saw the film come back from the dark room, that's only one only time I. Calm so down about it. What did you do precaution-wise with your film? I was going to so, say, did, was your film checked or hand? Or I, I aggressively researched what what could handle um, check baggage, X-rays. What couldn't? Ha- if you're traveling overseas from wherever you're at or out of the country, do not put film in check baggage. Check baggage just gets hit with an indiscriminate large amount of of radiation, and it will almost always be fried. If you're going to uh, fly. Put it in your carry-on. Film speeds 400 and lower are great through carry-on. They can pass multiple x-rays. I think the biggest Tariq took was 400, uh, T-Max and Portra, and he was fine. He went through, he ended up doing five x-rays there and back. I ended up doing seven x-rays because uh, they went to swab my (laughs) film holders, and they tried to uh, pull open one of the dark slides, and I... Never freak out when they try to do that, because I, I so I did. I was like, oh, da, da. And so that threw flags, so it went oh, it went through two more times. But the Portra 160 was great. It didn't uh, it didn't get fried. The Velvia was great. So if you're gonna if you know you're gonna be doing like a lot of connecting flights or you're doing multiple stops, take a low speed film because it can handle it. It uh, all the X rays are cumulative, so it's kind mm-hmm. of like pre exposing, like just a very very small amount. So the the my carry on was essentially. Film and more film. It was just like a hundred. It was just like a hundred sheets of color film was in uh, was in my personal item, and then I had like another carry on that had just extra clothes. Like all my clothes fit into a small backpack, and then my personal item was the film. Okay. In there, and then my ch- my two check bags were film gear in like giant SKB cases or like Pelican oh. cases. But then padding that gear was you know. What, I was what say, little I extra put clothes? Ground glass in with the film too, but I mean, oh, if you're an SKB, you're fine. No, the the ground glass was in with the film. It was oh, in okay. a different box, <laughs> yeah. but that didn't matter. One of the one of the glass still still busted. So oh, I brought oh. my uh, I brought my backup. Ever since I worked with Alan Ross, he made me a little uh, acrylic ground glass. Oh, okay. So I had that. So I was able to use that the whole time. But it was it was great. I only ended up effing uh, one sheet. Out of out of nearly a hundred, so that's crazy. So I did a lot of shooting. Some of the stuff's still at the drum scanners right now. But How long were you there for? Uh, two weeks. Wow. Yeah, it was fun. It was like a good sized trip. Get over the. Uh, Where'd you do your laundry? I oh we had, we had a we had a woman uh, do our laundry. She was like, she worked at the uh, apartment we rented out, like a two bedroom oh, apartment. Nice. So cost of living was you know super affordable. Sure. So we could kind of like do what we wanted. And the food was, I've never had fresher food ever. It was, uh, food. Senegal was like a formerly French colony. So like tons of fresh bread, like the best bread. Mm. It's awesome. Yeah, Coffee was okay, but the bread was. Your, your film did get zapped by some x-rays and you Seven. were not worried about it. Seven. Oh, I was sweating. I was I'm sorry, on. the other way around. Carry yes. on. Carry yes. on, not it checked. Was carry Checked on. baggage, mm-hmm. you're, kiss your, that film goodbye. Mm-hmm. Why? Tell me why. 
uh, it just gets hit with more more radiation. So you're saying when people like f- you're saying when people go through their sweating, going they're in line for the TSA, and they're like, "Can you hand check my bags?" Mm-hmm. You're saying they're going to blast it more. Hand check is uh, is yeah. fine, but you can't request that in Europe. Oh, um, you can try, but most of the time they'll pass it through anyway. So in the UK and in, uh, UK and France, they pass it through. Anyway, even if you request hand check, the U.S. they're pretty cool about it. Uh, you can you can ask, especially it helps if you have a, a strong handle on the language. But then, what really creeped me out about the X-ray was when we got into Africa. The X-ray machine there was like just this old Soviet like X-ray machine from the fifties. You know, it looked it, it looked yeah no, it was making this awful humming noise and kind of shaking and stuff. And I was like, this film is done. There's no way. Um, so you were wor- you were worried, yeah. Like, well, essentially, you know, what's a hundred sheets what of eight ten color film? Pouches? It's like remember those leather pouches, the, the lead, expensive. lead pouches. Yeah. It's like yeah. uh, it's like if somebody just took you know Plus a, weeks of your time, yeah, and time uh, and all that. Kind of a fudgy, John. We haven't even gotten to fudgy. Oh, oh, oh. So, okay. so no X-ray bags. That <laughs> yes. is an option. Tr- uh, oh, really? Tariq put his stuff in X-ray bags, mm-hmm. but all that happens if they for if it's going through, the X-ray bag just looks like this big dark block that it can't right. see through. So yeah. one of two things happens. If it's in the U.S., uh, those machines detect that. It'll track will stop. It'll back up. It just cranks up the juice and oh, goes through yeah. again. Yes. Usually that's still not enough to fog film, so that could happen. But in the older machines, like the, this, you know, the old Soviet machine they ran in, in Africa, mm. that machine just stopped. They pulled his bag out, and they started yeah. going through. How about this one? This, and he had like 50 rolls of black and white and like 120. So they had to swab every single little thing. So, like, be prepared for hassle. The further we get from digital starting, the the more people don't know what film is. So, like, in the U.S., they still have the signs, but a lot of other places they don't know or care about film. Don't freak out. Try to be respectful. Don't make any sudden movements (laughs) with your film if they ask you about it. Don't lunge if they open your dark slide. Yeah, um, Oh, and it wasn't the dark slide. They cracked open the box. So oh, like, I thought, oh, oh, Lord. They no, they, they, uh, the so boxes they were do? taped. What did they oh. do? They wanted to open the box. You know, if they see the box has exposed been opened film. and there was exposed film in there, I was like, Ugh, and that so was... How did you navigate that well, without exposing your film? Every every piece of clothing that was on me was swabbed. Oh, my God. Now, and then every, now there again, you and, keep saying swabbed. Do you want to tell us what they were swabbing for? They swabbed for uh, residue. Like uh, gunpowder and things like that. And herpes. Gotcha. And herpes. Uh, oh, I didn't well. know if they were doing a DNA check. You know, swab no, your cheek, no. buddy. Come on, open one. No, they, they, range of, yeah, anything explosive. Yeah, if you've been to a range, fertilizer or whatever. All the uh-huh. don't use gaffers. Bring gaffers tape. Don't bring gaff. Well, don't leave that in your carry-on. Why? Oh, wrap uh, bombs. They, in they that. thought it was plastic oh. explosive. Yeah. Oh. So like, I, I had a great time in France. Also, do oh, not God. wrap. The cord of your curling iron around your curling iron because that idea. looks pretty suspicious oh, too, yeah, and it's like, got me pulled out. It's like a trigger. Actually, Matt has a curling iron in his bag. What's <laughs> but was it worth all the so, pain? Would I do it again? I've already gosh. bought another case of film from Mike. So uh, yes, yeah, yeah, right from the FPP wow. store. How big of a tripod did you bring, Matt? I brought the, well, hmm. I brought the the enduro. Okay, the, the big thing I've, I've got. I did find a smaller head. Um, is the first time I used. My 810 with a, a ball head. I found an old Phoba, like the big, the big mono ball for it, and that was weird because when you use like a, a really top heavy, long camera on a ball head, if that thing doesn't have enough yeah. tension and it's it's yeah, it just tanks. 
down the wrong way, but it was uh, it, it was interesting. I, I'm getting used to that like newer mobile kit, and Tariq and I are looking forward to doing something maybe See, again this year. Yeah. Thanks, on. Matt. Big, bigger, big as life. Imagine showing pictures of your own youngsters as big as they are and in glorious color. It's easy with Kodak color slides. And today, it's easier to take your own color slides than ever before. Thanks to a brand new simplified Kodak camera, the Pony. The new Pony is simply beautiful to see and beautifully simple to operate. It loads in a jiffy and you're ready to shoot. It makes color slides as easy to take as snapshots. Beautiful color slides, clear, sharp, and lifelike. Of course, you can get fine color enlargements too. But the most exciting thing of all about the new Pony camera is its price. Just $26.75 or less than $3 down. The new Pony is just one of many outstanding new 35mm cameras by Kodak. You can see them demonstrated this week, wherever you see this sign. Remember, when the camera you choose is made by Kodak, you know it's good. Hi. Hi. Hello, everyone. We're going to talk really quick about Yodaka Film. People may be asking, what is Yodaka Film? Does it have to do with Return of the Jedi? I don't know. Certainly you will. (laughs) Yodaka film is a 35mm color film that gets processed normally, C41, and it's imported from Italy exclusively into the FPP online store, and it's a what's known as a pre-exposed special effects film, which means in Italy, the Yodaka folks are pre-exposing the film don't ask me how. I don't know how. How do they do it, Mike? I don't know, but it's super special. Leslie, what are some of the the, the flavors, flavors of Yodok film that is available? I love it. I love calling them flavors. And, of course, there they are. Good. Uh, FPP is carrying six different flavors, and they have very celestial names, such as Antares, Warm Colors, Top and Bottom, Right. Cool tones slid in between. Interesting. Throughout the entire roll. Sandwich. Sandwich. What else? We have cereal. Cereal. This one I kind of like a little better because there's it's greens and blues. It's cool, man. Mm-hmm. Cool. Vega. Rather than being like the, the very first one, the Antares, this goes more with warm oranges. oranges. And they're on the bottom and the cool's on the top. We also have Atlas, a rainbow of color throughout the entire horror film. Good old Andromeda is like looking through rose-colored glasses. Everyone needs Everybody's a kind of that is it, uh, <laughs> I a little need that now. Pink, pink. And that is a counterpart to that is Polaris. Polaris. And the Polaris is soft blue tones all over, all everything. over everything. And then let's just do it. Pegasus. Pegasus is a horizontal, a horizontal rainbow, rainbow of, color, of color, and it's, and it's where some of these are very tint-looking. These are rather strong colors. And this is a C41 film, very easy to do at home, very easy to send out. So nothing at all tricky there about having this film processed. No. Nope. It is a standard 35-millimeter film. 400 ISO. 
All 400 ISOs. All 400 Fantastic. ISO. 36 and, uh, exposures. All 36 exposure lengths. We are the exclusive distributor here in the U.S., and they go in and out of stock pretty quick. This is actually a pretty popular yes. product. So as I speak right now, three of them are sold out. And that doesn't mean by the time you hear this that they'll not be back and it may be something else. Check it out. Check it in. Check it out, check folks. It out, check, folks. It out. check it out. Get it while it's hot. Save it for another show. But, John, finally, after years, years, years of me being like, you know, Scott Walker, Scott Walker, Scott Walker, not the politician, Scott Walker, <laughs> Scott Walker, the bomb, Scott Walker. One day I'm just laying on my soft couch, and I just get a call from John. I got to talk to you about this, Scott Walker. And I, I got up. I'm like, I, was I, I, I said, I said, finally. I said, I was, I've been waiting. I've been waiting, myself for this talk. I've been waiting for this day for years. <laughs> I don't even know where to start, John. Where would you like to start? Where did you start? I started uh, with a compilation of his first three albums. Oh, the essential Scott Walker? The essential Scott Walker. Scott one, two, and three. Oh, okay. Then Good place to start. to The Hunter and slowly up to Bishop. Climate of Hunter. Climate of the Hunter, yeah. Yeah. What was the other one? Like and did you get uh, Bish Bosh? How about Soused? Soused? No. <laughs> but that's with Suno, right? Uh, so, yes, yeah, so I call him Suno. So, Suno, yeah. It's a Japanese metal band. Yeah. And they, they opens up... Raw is playing next month. Oh, opens up with a big hit, Brando. Scott Walker's music is so dense and complicated, you got to take it slow. You can't overdo it. Hey, Leslie, welcome back to the vinyl... Record podcast. Yeah. Vinyl section. Vinyl cafe. Yeah, I gave you a vinyl record. We're going to switch Finland. gears really quick. Well, first of all, before we switch gears, uh, there is a pack of... First of all, first of all, I want everyone to know... John is so hungry. It's sort of like when, like, I don't know, the moon... It's sort of like the, the Chinese sending a camera to the dark side of the moon and we yeah. see pictures. Like, yeah, like unheard that. of. Who would have thought? Never happened in your lifetime. There are two Canon T60s sitting on the table at the same time. <laughs> The likelihood of that happening is almost impossible unless I had my two Can- Canon T60s bragging, like I had, <laughs> which I've never done. Frequently, I shoot with the Canon T60, but... Look, she's got one, too. Uh, oh, oh, no. Oh, wait a minute. Wow. That's a wait. scamera. It's almost. <sighs> what is that? What? It's not a real one? It looks real to me. We're going to get back to that. that but anyhow... Classic? What is that? It's a camera. It's well, a camera. That I know. It's a scammer. We're going to get to scammers. We're going to get to Canon T60. But before that, I think let's. We want the latest news from Film Piranha from Mr. Yes. Mark O'Brien. <laughs> oh, okay. Very good. Thank you, Mark. And now. <laughs> oh, where did these, wait, where did these fudgies come from? Fudgios, these are my favorite cookies. Fudgios? Are they American? Canadian. Oh. Mm. oh. oh they should be fudgies. Come on, tell me what they're doing. Fudgies? Fudgies. I'm going to pass. Fudgios. Fudgios. They're good. Let me know they're what you think. They're actually good. Like if you do the Oreo thing where you, oh. you take them apart and you save all the fudge and then you make a big ball of it. <laughs> I don't do that, but I take... I have a fudgies. I've got a line, but I don't think I'm going to say it. Matt? <laughs> can I have a fudgies? Oh, yeah. Oh. Oh, okay. oh, they're good. So, this is a well, courtesy of Mark Dalsell. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mark. Yeah, thank you, Mark. <laughs> what's hot, what's not, 
and I'm going to throw the microphone over to our what's hot, what's not guy, Mr. Matt Mirage, who works retail at Midwest Photo Exchange. That, that has to be the only reason I, I became the what's hot, what's not guy. Is, what? the, is the retail. That has to be the only reason. Because I'm, I'm not hip. I haven't bought a new film, film camera in a while. But uh, what all the, all the kids are going after these days, still, I think the, the same trends we were seeing a lot in 2018, the smaller that SLR, AV, or auto exposure camera can get, the better. So they're, they're coming in, still asking. Of course, they're always asking AE1s, K1000s. Those are starting to dry up a bit. But any small little guys, FMs, probably the one I didn't see coming, but I should have because I need to listen to Leslie more. OM1s, OM2Ns, those are, those are getting pretty hot. The prices on those are staying steady. They're rising a little bit, but the lenses, those are being used by cinema guys. They're scooping those up, sending them to China, getting them rehoused. As oh, cinema wow. lenses, kind of crazy stuff going on there. That's what the, Jonathan wants me to do is convert a bunch of lenses to PL mount for his yeah, it's, cameras. And it, that's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. They have to put it in the housing that gives you more throw, more focus throw on there. It's it's interesting, but yeah, costly. Um, those those point and shoot thirty fives, they still they keep rising and rising and rising. It's it's crazy to see the medium format stuff. It's kind of it's kind of cooling down a little bit. Um, R, I think I've never seen RBs and RZs at a lower price point. I think if you want to get into medium format and pay only a little bit more than a new Lomography camera, RB or RZ, you get a whole system of that. Long, uh, this is, I think I learned this one from Leslie. Long lenses get no love. That's right. <laughs> or long zooms especially. Yeah, they just get no love, especially in the medium format and the 35 70 to 200s are just paperweights, or 70 to 210s, the old F4s. I, I've had a 70 210 shipped on a camera to me because they didn't have a body cap. So they just Perfect. put that lens on it. Perfect. The A1 was that. He goes, oh, body cap, just take this lens. The instant craze, the, I, I don't know if we've seen, we're, we're at, the, at the bottom of a, a crest for the, uh, the 600 and SX70 style cameras, but those are kind of those are kind of tepid. Right now, well, the um, new one steps are so cool. That it's cool but everybody's enough. got them now. It seems, yeah, they're Urban Outfitters even has. Yes. Well, but if I need to go, if I want to go shoot some Polaroid, I grab, I grab my new one step now. I, yep. I never think to go back and grab my oldest. No, you won't. You won't grab any. Are you guys selling a lot of those new Polaroids? Um, those are kind of cooled down a little bit. I think the the twenty seventeen, late twenty seventeen, early twenty eighteen was kind of the hot moment for those. So, but that also means you can still pick up. You use 600 style cameras, SX70s, pretty, pretty cheap now. Those are, those have gone uh, pretty decently. Of course, anything that takes anything that takes pack film. Yeah. Moment of silence for pack film. Don't pay money for those kids. People are, are not coming in looking for the Polaroid automatic land cameras. No, and, and very few places uh, will will buy it. I think the the last thing we bought in was a. Uh, a 195, but like it was because it was a 195. I've never seen a 195 for go for less than than it did when we when we got it in. Only a couple hundred bucks. They were uh, born for like a thousand. Like I know, thousand, they, but and it's still. I mean, as parts, it's probably worth more than that. But yeah. it's just because of the the cursed film that it's, uh, you know, that it needs. There's folks still selling that film. It's it's quite expensive. What's the what is the hot point and shoot camera? What what are hot point and shoot cameras? Contacts, contacts, contacts. <laughs> Dang. 
dang it, contacts. And it's <laughs> my beef with it is solely because of the the popularity, of course. But the the other thing that happens, and this happened um, to my buddy Tariq when we were uh, when we were in Africa. He brought his so contacts and a lot of the Pentax cameras suffer from the same thing. When that PC board decides to go, or it's just having a finicky day, you're not shooting. We he missed one whole day of shooting because his Pentax six seven two decided to lock up. It just it said no. I don't want to do this today. Do, do you see those Ricoh Street cameras come in? The what are they called? Uh, the GR ones or the Rolex? Still a cult classic. We we never see those in. Oh, people Ever. grab them and just they keep them. Yeah, pry them from their cold dead hands. Did yours completely die? Completely die, but I have hope that I just bang it on the ground, put a new battery in, and it'll come back. And with the Pentax, it, it just might. Contacts, good luck. It, it goes to, it goes, there's, I think Precision is like the one place that can attempt to look at it, but most of the time, yeah. once those decide to go, that's it. So. What's not hot? Did you say what's not hot? What's not hot? Um, big SLRs. So, oh. uh, you know, we, we've been talking about some of these uh, beefier SLR system cameras, the the A1 the F series cameras, not not doing so hot, but man, you can get a great camera for under a couple hundred very very easily uh, if you're willing to lug around. Probably the cheapest heavy duty SLRs that we sell to students, and they're always like, "Oh, I guess I'll get that one." This is a Canon F1. This thing's gonna last <laughs> another forty years, easy. And they're like, "Okay, I guess I'll shoot it." Well, here get the, you get the battery grip with it for free. <laughs> If you're willing to haul around a little more camera, you can get a great deal on a lot of those. And especially the same goes when you get into a medium format, something that's a li- got a little more beef to it. What's like the sad shelf, like a shelf you always see the cameras are just gathering dust? Uh, RBs and Bronicas. Nope. Really? Yeah. Bronica SQs? Um, no, no, the ET. The ET. E- the ET. So like that and the, like the mirror... The MAM 645s have the name recognition. The Bronicas just, just don't. So the Bronicas just kind of hang out. And, like, the the weird cameras, there's always, like, there's always some guy that's like, hey, what's that? Hell, it's yours now. You know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> so that... TLRs, they're probably not very hot right now. TLRs are, like, they're pretty steady. Yeah. Um, I guess they're kind of hip. They're, they're hip. They look cool to shoot. I think, uh, I think the same kind of goes, though. So, like, the ones that go really quick... Your Roloflexes and your um, your Yashica mats, just because they're very very compact, mm-hmm. and it's it's interesting that features take a, a second place to convenience factor. So, yeah. oh, I don't care if I'm losing close focus as long as this thing is is tiny and looks cool. The first one they always want to see, though, the the classic shelf queen, the baby Roly. Oh yeah, yeah. We always sure. have a baby Roly on the shelf. And I'm like, where can I get film? Filmphotographystore.com is where you can get film. <laughs> so there's uh, those, yeah, those are really steady. Uh, Mamiya, the really old Mamiyas, like C22, C30, C33. Those things are ancient, but they they always work. Yeah, and you can swap the lenses, which is so freaking cool. Change the lenses, and the lenses. Uh, there's a few folks that will do CLAs on those. Uh, we the yeah. folks we use. Uh, is a place up in Michigan, Midwest Camera Repair. They do CLAs for those now, and they they do a pretty darn good job at not too much money if you're really like into that. And but same thing, medium format, long lenses, get no love. So when you get a, a Mamiya camera, you're probably gonna also get a long or two long lenses for free along with it. But they look sweet. Thank you, Matt. Oh, thanks, Mike.
Hey, I just want everyone out there to know that you could write to the Film Photography Podcast, podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. Right, John? Write? Write a letter. Podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. Send your love, baby. Okay. It's all about Where do you get your fudgios? Uh, I was up in Ottawa after. Oh, Christmas you were? Okay. There, yeah. Okay, I'll start this. Please. Before I put something else in my mouth, I'll read this letter. This is a uh, project update number 48 100 more years of analog film by Film Ferrani. I thought you were going to say 100 more years, years of waiting. Un- yeah, un- so I. I. <laughs> Time to wake this show up. As 2018 draws to a close, we <laughs> offer a small update for those of you who are following along with our epic story. My dearest Annabelle, the winter grows cold. <laughs> <laughs> we want to ensure that everyone. And we want to ensure everyone that our work continues, even if reporting on that work has proven to be next to impossible. Ooh. Our situation changes on a daily basis, which makes publishing updates problematic. More importantly, we under, clearly understand that continuing to speculate about what may happen in the next few weeks or months must stop. We are clearly bad at predicting the future. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. And despite our honest intentions at transparency, continuing to speculate is not fair to anyone. As such, <laughs> you will not hear much from us until we have products ready to ship. The plan. As we said a few months ago, we have been pursuing a new plan. We must be able to pr- produce film continuously. We must be able to produce final retail-ready products entirely in-house. We must radically reduce waste. Reality has shown us that it is far too disruptive to work on the building while production is happening, and that we must meet these three goals first before we can do anything else. Of course, we have some ideas internally about how long this work will take. We remain very confident in our plan and our team and our goals, but we simply do not know when we'll be 100% ready to begin sales, and we will not speculate in public any longer. Jesus. The rewards. No group has suffered longer with our inability to predict the future than our Kickstarter backers. We feel that we have put the facts out there in good faith, and while a majority of our backers continue to be entirely supportive, we understand the number of backers are intensely frustrated. At this point in time, our objective is not to provide you with a date about the delivery of color reversal film, nor is it to repeat the facts that we have reported over the past few years. Our objective is to honor our backers by giving you control over your pledge. We're in the process of building a tool that gives you that control. This tool will allow you to update your shipping and email info whenever you like, and your original pledge will become a credit that you can use any time in the future. All backers will be notified when it's ready. So all those tools out there, we wish everyone the best holiday. <laughs> we wish everyone the very best for this holiday season and a happy new year. Cheers, the film Ferrania team. I mean, they haven't thrown in the towel, which is cool. But at this point, if you're, if you're somebody that goes on Kickstarter and you, you pony up money and you expect a product, like you're probably in the wrong place. Right. Well, that's true. It's yeah. like anyone investing in something. I, I have... A complete faith in them, mm-hmm. and I think I think they're correct. I don't need to hear from them again. Right. Like I don't need to hear anything until they Just, got something. When they have <clears throat> when they have something and they can send me something, great, bravo. Right. Right. They're good with the updates, and it's not like somebody <coughs> was building a new little widget in their basement. I mean, right. they, these guys were yes, building roads, exactly. infrastructure. Right. I mean, they had to reroute a river or something. They didn't. Like, e- they didn't expect the path would be so long and tortuous. Because of all the things they couldn't control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you, Mark. 
welcome. Uh, before we move on to our next topic, and our next topic is going to be Leslie Lazerby talking about what to do when you need to heat up your chemistry yeah. and you're in a 50-degree space like I am at FPP Fire. HQ. Or you don't know what you're going to have for supper. Exactly. But before that, yeah. I thought we'd have a little group discussion. We'd go around the table and say, hey, since we talked about travel today, yeah. favorite three films if you had to travel. Uh, I like the way that you put that because, personally, I don't want to go anywhere. So that's a great way of putting it. Like, if you had to travel, right. what films would you films. take? Okay. Right. So, Mark, this is your topic. This is your yeah. topic. You know. Okay. Give us so a tell us. All right. For If I were traveling, the three films I would take, if I was taking... Wanted to take a uh, color reversal film at this point. I would take um, Provia 100 because that's what I'm used to shooting, and and I'm really happy with it. And then for black and white, HP5. And then also for black and white, I would probably take uh, T Max 400. Okay. HP5 and T Max 400. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mark D. No, I'm I'm and this kidding. is in 35 millimeter and 120. I, that's what I would be taking. I don't carry large format. Okay, Mark D. Mm. Oh, I was completely joking. Oh, well, you're no. Three. I would go uh, 35 millimeters FEMA 125. A bunch nice. of that. Yes. I like uh, the Arista 100 in 120. That's like the crispest, beautiful contrast. I love that Arista for some reason. Who um, makes that? Arista Freestyle. Freestyle. But it's somebody else's. Do you know me? Oh, it used to be FOMA, but I don't, what I I don't think it is anymore. May not be. Okay. And then a Portra. I like the Portra mm-hmm. in 120 or 35. I'm easy. About Ektar 100. I like that. I like nope. it. That's not a top. But the Sima 125, mm-hmm. I would pick Shima, over Ektar. Of course. You only get three. Yeah, well, as I already said, Sima 125. Yeah. John? Uh, I would just take a nice uh, slide, like a nice, 200 uh, nice piece of much. slide film. Some Ektar 100, especially for 120, or Svimina 125. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, black and white. That's so, already something you said. Oh, whatever's in your fridge. Oh, yeah, grab it. <laughs> Since I recently had to make the decision, uh, the reason I did portrait was because if I need to make a black and white of it, it's just it's awesome. I can I can convert it very very easily. That's true. Yeah. So my choices are portrait one sixty. If I know it's not going to make too many hops or go through too much hand check, you know, business uh, portrait four hundred. And then if I want something a little bit slower, Ektar one hundred. I'll, I'll go all color. And Matt, uh, you mentioned Portra. Why is Portra a good film to shoot if you want to convert it to black and white? It just transitions really, really smoothly. So when you convert it, you know you scan it up, and then if you're in Lightroom or Photoshop, you do your. Uh, it's normally the hue, saturation, yes. luminance. You flip that over to black and white, and then you have the channel select, and the channel select gives you all your filtration options, and it's very, it scans very flat, so you can pump the contrast. <laughs> And I would definitely recommend doing that conversion via digital rather than putting that color neg and printing a black and white print. Oh, that's that's a nightmare. Yeah, it's, it's not that. only a nightmare, but the quality will be much better in this case. I'm afraid digitally. Yeah, mm-hmm. in, in this case, the portrait was yes. made for the hybrid workflow mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, I feel that I'm always in a situation where I'm always testing film, so I, I have to just grab whatever I have to test. What? <laughs> <laughs> I'm always t- Mike's, like Mike's going to bring 126, 620, and 828. <laughs> All crammed into a 110 cassette. <laughs> Trim like, down. Oh, no. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> I find my trips to be very purposeful. Like for example, uh, the store. yeah, I, I was in <laughs> I was in Vermont over the holidays, and I'm like, oh, okay, what am I going to do? Uh, so I brought Ektachrome E100. 
the new Ektachrome. Oh, it's great. Because the first opportunity I've had to shoot it. And I brought uh, some uh, Retrochrome. I, I just love it. I think it gives a beautiful, old-timey look uh, to you, to your film. Oh, I've, I've been beta testing the new, the new FPP. Uh, Black and white lineup. Yes. Derev pan. Yeah. D-E-R-E-V. Derev. Yes. yes. Our new Derev film. <laughs> I've been testing. I've been shooting the hell out of it. That's a cut. The new Derev film. I've been shooting that. <laughs> that could have been a cut, but it wasn't. Uh, I've been shooting the hell out of it. ISO 100, 200, and 400. Leslie, what are your three favorite films? My three favorites. My number one, Shvima 200, black and white. Well, wait, wait. Number one! <laughs> <laughs> it makes oh, that's nice. the world look like it should look. I, black and white? Yes. I don't think I even knew there was a Shvima 200. Mm-hmm. Black and white. I always use 400. It gives me oh, heart palpitations. Now, I love... It's it, totally different than the four, totally different than the one. Huh. The 200 is just stunning. Ektar 100. Yes. I can cut it down, put it into 127 or, mm-hmm. you know, old... I, Ektar 100. And Tri-X, why? Because tricks are for kids? No. Oh. Tri-X will never let you down. <coughs> Try X. Try Y? <laughs> Try Y. Uh, but I think I would sneak um, code name Jaeger in my pocket, though, because I really like that film, too. What's the ISO? That's the 400 ISO. Derev, Derev 400. 400. I believe. Or it's the 100, and I shot it for by mistake. No, it's the Derev 4. It's Jaeger. So there's a little secret out of the bag. Uh, all of my testing is on Flickr, and I've used the code names uh, because we haven't hadn't decided quite yet on the what, what to call it release name exactly so i can't remember why i initially started off with aviation type but i did and kept them all aviation but i really like that film too but if it's got to be three it's shvima 200 ektar 100 and triax thank you leslie i have a problem i'm a rabbit and rabbits are supposed to love carrots but ugh. what i love is tricks Tricks is the corn cereal with fruit flavor, and they come in fruit colors. Raspberry red, lemon yellow, and orange orange, all mixed together in one big box. And they're crispy, crunchy, and boy, do I love them. I could eat them for breakfast and lunch and supper and even after school. If I went to school... Silly rabbit, tricks are for kids. That's my problem. Tricks are for kids. When I grow up, I'm going to have a whole house full of tricks. Yeah. Don't you just love tricks fruit colors? Yeah. And that fruit flavor. I like them better than anything. What's the matter with him? I'm sad because tricks are for kids. Oh, Sheldon. Duh. That's right, yeah. So you're all ready to develop your color film, but you just can't get the proper water temperature? Introducing the FPP Heat Helper. Just plug it in, turn it on, and dial in the temperature you need. It's that simple. Introducing the FPP Heat Helper. You know, when we talk about hardware, and we're talking about hardware of a water heater, which is known as a sous vide, this was reported by (laughs) Mark O'Brien many shows ago. Uh, And... You just had a need. 
and you used it, and I you had, had... for speed. That's right. So the other day, about, a, about maybe three, four weeks ago, I go to develop a roll of uh, color film, and it's so cold here. Even the even the water out of the tap, it I, I couldn't I couldn't bring the, the, the chemistry. The I couldn't bring the bring chemistry up to to temperature. So Jeez. went online. I found the cheapest, what's known as a sous vide, Deed. or now Deed. we a, AKA FPP heat helper. Oh, what happened to heat stick? That's ridiculous. So I bought it, tried mm-hmm. it. I'm like, oh my god! And I called Leslie immediately. I'm like, Bob. And Leslie's like, oh, what's that link? I have to try that. Yeah. Leslie tries it. Yeah. Like anything else, Marco, it's like until you actually use it yourself, yeah, right, right. you hear about things. Right, right. But when you finally get around to using it, you're like, what hey. You're yeah. like, hey, wait a minute. This is so easy. So I looked into it. I found the proper wholesale price for this and the proper price that I, I feel an FPP customer would pay for such a heating device for their home chemistry. And now we have the <laughs> FPP heat helper tested by Mike Rosso, that's me, and Leslie Lazenby. That's me. And sort of by Marco, even though it may not be the same brand. Right. But it's the same idea. Same thing. You just stick it in the bucket. Stick, stick it. In the bucket it. And stick it in the bucket. <laughs> Leslie, take it away. Take it away. You just stick it in the I bucket. I actually... Stick it in the bucket. Turns on the power. <laughs> <laughs> I originally nice. borrowed Mark O'Brien's sous vide last summer. At the FPP Walking Workshop 3 to demonstrate how easy it was to process Eastman's Remjet films. We had at home, I mean, I just process it in C41 chemistry in the good old kitchen sink, but I didn't want to drag everybody into the kitchen in the uh, Jones Mansion and have running water going constantly to keep my temp up. So I just, Mark, can I buy your sous vide? He goes, sure. So I actually did it in the dining room. I got one of our beautiful ice buckets that are there, put water in it, and it the whole process of temperature, once that was up to temperature, was out of my head. All I truly had to do then was demonstrate remjet films and how easy it was to take the remjet off. I knew my chemistry was consistent for those hours that I did it. Uh, yes, this is pretty nice. So I priced the sous vides, and they were selling at 100 bucks. Or, in FPP speak, a hunch. Yes. <laughs> uh, I think I'll wait. And that's when I got the call from Mike. FPP's going to carry sous vides. And I just said, how much? You know, that's my bottom line, how much? And also mentioned, should you want to hear Mark O'Brien's comments on it, that's episode 184 in May of 2018. Oh, thank you, Leslie. You're quite welcome. So, what the heck is a sous vide anyway? Well, it's, it's French. French made, French word. It means under pressure or vacuum. Under pressure. That's right. So, the sous vide water unit is for cooking food. We all know that. Under pressure or vacuum, mm. you put your food into a plastic bag, get out as much air as possible, oh. submerge it. I didn't know this. And but cook it. You just threw meat in the water and then... <laughs> Oh, there'd be no throwing meat in the water. Green bacon like you did in Mr. Mom. (laughs) (laughs) So my FPP sous vide heat helper came in, and I put it to the test. I loaded a tank up with Vision 250D, Vision 3. It was perfect. I have a few tips on using it. The first thing Mike asked me, I texted him, it was perfect. 
How long did it take to heat the water up? Yep. That was it. And I said, um, it's an illogical question, because it truly is. What's the size of your container? First thing I wanted to do was use a bucket, but the bucket's round, and sometimes the the bottles can kind of tip in. Mm -hmm. So I just decided, now forget the bucket. I'm going to use my kitchen sink. I stoppered it and put water in it. I had square unit, essentially, and I also had plenty of room at that point not only put my chemistry in, I could put my developing tank right in the water, too. So very, very, very accurate temperature. Okay, another thing. It's the temperature of your water to start with. Mm. If you start with extremely cold water, uh, it's going to take longer to come up to temp. But if you have warmer water, you're good to go. Temperature of your stored containers. If I store them on top of the fridge, it's warmer than if I store them under the sink. Mm -hmm. And what is your container made of, glass or plastic? And also the shape. I use glass, and I use old glass oval bottles. Spreading my chemistry out thinner heats up real quick. These new round Boston shape, as they're called. They take a minute. Yep, and the Boston bottles, they're round, and it takes longer to get to the chemistry to heat it up. So what you're saying is that Jim Beam bottle right there. That Jim Beam is perfect. Wow. Yes. That is plastic. (laughs) The cheap plastic's better? Cheap plastic or plastic in general is slower than any glass. Oh. Gla- glass transfers heat. It's by seconds. It's minors. But, but still, that's the tips. Glass is quickest. Plastic, not so much. And also, if you use, as I do, glass marbles in my developer, just because the water temperature's up, those marbles are still cold. So give the bottle a spin or a twirl or pour out the amount of chemistry that you need into a beaker and heat it that way rather than heating the entire unit. Now, online there's been, of course, lots of chat about using the sous vide. Some of them have mentioned that they feel their sous vide is off a degree or two and they always compensate. (sighs) What do you mean? What do you mean? I'm setting it for 102 and I put my thermometer in it and it's only 100. Maybe your thermometer's wrong. So I have to put it up to 104. So that's what I did. I pulled out my Kodak Lab Precision thermometer. And to be honest with you, I could buy three sous-vides for what that thermometer cost. That is the most accurate thing that I have. It was spot on. I was thrilled that that sous-vide was that accurate. I tried my old Unicolor glass thermometer, spot on. I tried the dial thermometer that I've been using lately. It was off couple oh, degrees. Yeah, dial, dial thermometer went in the trash. Some of those dial thermometers are adjustable. adjustable yeah. Some are not. So I, I just threw it out. I've got the others. I got the sous vide. Why do I need anything anymore? Uh, you know, so crappy. <laughs> it is brilliant to use my uh, processing steps where I put my water in the sink, the sous vide's in it, my chemical bottles are in it, and then I go load my film. And because I started off with warmer water when I came back, I was there. It was good. So plan your steps, and you're not going to be sitting around waiting, and everything's going to go very quick for you. Another thing that I do is I keep my sous vide clean. Only water touches it. When I am done processing and have poured my chemistry back into the bottles, I rinse them before I put them away. I don't want any chemical drying or being on the outside of the bottle. So because I have found I like using the sous vide for food as well, even though it's in the bag, I want everything clean. Never, ever, ever place your sous vide directly into your chemistry to heat it. Some of those chemistries are very caustic. Yes, you can take the sous vide apart to some degree, but it's chemical. You know how chemical seeps into things. 
I don't feel like you're ever going to get it clean enough. And if that happens, you're going to get blicks into your developer. Mm-hmm. You may get fixer. You've got it. You're going to have to really, really clean that thing. And that's not even really the biggest reason. If I'm bringing my developer up to temp and I've got my cold fixer over here. It's going to take longer. It's, okay, I've got my developer up. Now I've got to take my sous vide out and put it into the fixer or the blix step and either try to hold the developer or hope the blix is going to come up mm-hmm. in my short time. It's, it's just wrong. Just heat the whole thing. Another advantage, not advantage, because this is a no-brainer. Don't take one down. Don't put your sous vide in chemistry. Yeah. But when I have my sous vide and my chemical bottles and my tank in the sink, I will use the water, the sous vide water, as my pre-wet. And then, of course, then I dump it. I don't put it back in the pre-wet or in the water. And I also use that as part of my rinse water in the middle because I don't use stop bath. And it's perfectly temperatured. So... I'm thinking, I like this so well for color. I'm probably really going to like it for black and white. It's not really hard to get your black and white chemistry up. This winter, using the sous vide with black and white chemistry, you start off with the water, you dilute it one-to-one, you're there. It's perfect. I got a little monobath going, and it's really cold. I heat up the whole thing in with the sous vide and some water. So, yeah. Can I ask you a question? You can. So, Axe away. so you get your water temp up. Yeah. How long with your chemistry in a bottle is it going to take for your chemistry to get to that water temp? Oh! How cold your chemistry? Have What's, you just heard the last 10 minutes there. I've been talking about? What are we talking about? It's, it's super cold. What's the rule of thumb? What's the rule of thumb? Is there? Oh! Well, how do you test your chemistry if you're not allowed to put the sous vide in? You put a thermometer in it. Uh Yeah. Mm Old-fashioned. Thermometer goes in the chemistry with the the lid off your chemistry. Thermometer in the chemistry. Yep. Chemistry bottle or beaker into the water bath Mm -hmm. and sous vide in the water bath. Okay. I Mm -hmm. I have a question, too. Sure. Have you shot with it? (laughs) (laughs) No, but... If you're... If it's a little cold in your house and you want to bring your... Black and white chemistry up to 68. Yes. What would you j- jack the sous vide up to? What 68. Temp- 68. Oh, for real? Yeah, Why not? Don't get, question. Don't get funny. But wouldn't you want to go a little ho- get the water a little hotter so that it heats up to 68 quicker? No. Okay. No, because it, it takes a while. If, it, if you're, you overshoot, it'll take in a minute to come yeah. back yeah. down. It's, so you're just waiting on the way. It takes longer to cool the water off mm. than you would think. Um, Unless it's here yeah. at FPPHQ. <laughs> 68. But yes, Mike, I totally know what you're saying, because that's, that's what I do. I heat my color chemicals up at like 150 degrees, <laughs> and then I just yank them out uh, when they hit the right temperature. Right. As yeah. the elevator's on its way up, I just grab one of the rope. <laughs> okay. so, yeah, but see, you don't have to grab the rope anymore. That's, yeah, that's yeah, the cool yeah, thing about it. There. You can set it at 68 and then go, go put your, load your film in the tank. Yeah. So, I think it's called tempering. When you leave the water, yes. in, it's all tempered to the right. Everything at the same temperature, you just leave it there. I mean, I can go uh, do C41 all afternoon. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Anything. I know it's going to be right. As soon as I'm done any particular step, when I pour the the chemistry back in the bottle, I put it back into the water and let everything else just take place. I also heat up, if we're doing the C41, I heat up my rinse water. Did you just listen to what I said? Yeah, I did. Oh, my God. I am going home. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, use the rinse water, too. Uh Uh-huh. So I'd like to talk about the sous vide if less than talking about what she was talking about. <laughs> the, uh, I, I'd like to reiterate the one thing that's 
that Leslie mentioned, and that was the sous vide is made to be immersed into water. The water heats up the containers, whatever it's food or chemistry or whatever, that are in it. Do not put the sous vide into the chemistry. Do not. Do not. Well, that's important you know, because, you, you know, someone who's, new to, to, <laughs> someone who's new to developing their own film may, may be thinking, yeah. oh, I have to heat up my chemistry. Well, so pour my so chemistry in a jar and then put and the, the sous vide in the... Yeah. It, but don't do that. Don't, no. Do not do don't that. Be that. No, person. don't try this at home. Yeah. And you know that they, in a sense, too, I, I kind of fought, like, fought this whole thing like, I don't need a sous vide. I've done this for years, and I know how Me to too. keep... I've kept my chemistry up. I've got no problems. Yep. Now, but i got to tell you, having it so consistent is wonderful, because that is the secret to any darkroom work, consistency. is consistency. Mm-hmm. If you always use a thermometer that's off, and you like your negatives, yeah. that doesn't matter, <laughs> because yeah. just keep using that thermometer. It's consistent. So, and consistency is time, it's money, um... It'll spoil you, yeah, it'll spoil you, but uh, the cost that it saves you in running water mm-hmm. or in time is fantastic. Now, why do I call it pas sous vide? Because it is French, and it's not under, it's not, I'm no longer under pressure. And uh, it's pas sous vide, P-A-S, pas sous vide, no, not, pressure. under, for French. So, because it, it takes the pressure away, it does. And you may also find that once you have a very accurate and very consistent temperature on your processing, you may find that you're going to start shooting more film at box speed mm-hmm. because yeah. you may have had an error before. And I'm like, I always shoot it at 200. <laughs> Maybe there was a reason for that. Maybe it's how your camera exposed it, but a lot of people do it in general, and that might be the reason. It could change your life. It could. You may find yourself shooting at box speed. You may find yourself You may find yourself in Africa, perfectly tempered water. That's what I have on the sous vide. Now, Mike. Yes. As we speak. Yes. In stock. In stock. FPP heat helper. The heat helper. John Fidelli and I shot a 30-second mm. commercial spot in about 30 seconds. Yeah. In 20 seconds. In real time. <laughs> yes, in real time. And, uh, oh, excuse me. Yes. I actually, when I got my heat helper, yes. got the manual out, looked at it, kind of glanced at it, used it the next day, and the manual vaporized. I don't know where it went. It's oh. with my car keys. Okay, just turn it on and just just see if you can get through it. Yeah, I did. It's pretty simple. Right? It was very simple. Yeah, it was very very simple. Very simple. Love that spin dial. Spin mm, it. Yeah. Spin it up and down. Spin it up. Yeah, I think there's so, nice blue light. Degrees of yeah. Oh, the blue light's so pretty. Right? Cobalt. It's been very popular Good. in the FPP store. Uh, Thank you, Leslie. You're welcome. Bruce Jenner for the Minolta XG1. The Minolta XG1 35mm is so automatic, I can keep taking pictures while my friend Jeff kicks the ball from sunlight to shadow. The XG1 changes the exposure not just automatically, but continuously. Minolta's continuous automatic exposure system helps give you pictures you never thought you could take at a price you never thought you could afford. The Minolta XG1, the automatic choice in automatic cameras. And now we're going to talk about, first of all, Mark D. We're going to turn the mic over to Mark D. In the past, we've talked about shooting 3D images for your Viewmaster. Mm-hmm. 
and Mark has finally come in with some perfective view master. But give us for folks who haven't listening, haven't been listening, or they're listening but they're not listening. What's your problem? <laughs> tell, give an overview of the whole ViewMaster thing. Well, so this is a camera that I got a couple of months ago. I talked about it maybe four episodes ago. Mm-hmm. So this is the the, uh, the ViewMaster personal stereo camera made by Sawyer in Portland, Oregon. With mean, mean pride. Um, <laughs> but it's it, when you when I first got it, I, I assumed it was just a regular old stereo camera. But it's actually a stereo camera that specifically shoots ViewMaster slides, the little tiny squares, and you punch. So you, you, you shoot onto slide film, develop it as a slide, oh, no. and then you put the film through a cutter, and it punches out the little squares that go into a ViewMaster disc. You got so the cutter. I got the cutter. It would be hard if you didn't because Is that electric? Well, I it did. lines it right up, right? Yeah, my, my first, it's electric. My, <laughs> the first one that I, the first disc I made, I took an existing disc, I peeled it apart, and I meticulously glue-sticked in the images. I mean, it was terrible. I kind of got it to work just to prove that it was possible, but then I sprung for the the actual blank, the blanks, which are fabulously expensive for a little tiny piece of cardboard. They haven't made these things since like the 80s. So this is new old stock. Yeah, all the new old stock. Uh, so it's generally you get uh, six discs in one of these little packets, six discs with six little envelopes, and you pay about $30 for the six. <gasps> so it's $5 a disc. Mm-hmm. But don't mess it up. It's so cool. <laughs> but then you, you, I could rip these back out of the and, yeah, and reuse them if reuse I wanted to. Sure. Did you bring the cutter? Yeah, this is the cutter here. And actually, uh, why is it why is it powered? Can you answer my question? Oh, really Probably because there's a light unit in it. You have, a, you have a electric. Uh. Yeah. There's, there's a light bulb in it. Uh-huh. How many how many shots do you get on a disc, Mark, while you're one. while you're prepping that? On a disc, you get... Because they're stereo, so there's there's a lot. You get six? Six. No. Oh. How many? Yeah, yeah, there's six. Oh, seven. 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 You get seven. Yeah, okay. Easy. So you get seven it's shots. Big one. So I feel like... Uh, so it's 35. I mean, it's just making big old kind of well, yeah, let me cuts show out of it. Yeah. Let me show you the way the camera works. Let me just go through the camera quick with Matt. So the way this camera works, it's the freaking craziest thing. So... You load up um, this is a, a roll. microphone. Well, I'm just talking to Matt. Okay. You, you load up hey, a roll film us? on here. Mm-hmm. And, and all of our and listeners. And it pulls it across these two lenses. And as you're shooting, you're winding like usual. All right. And then when you get to the end of your roll, on the front, you turn this knob, and it shifts Oh, good. The so you can efficiently expose. Okay. And reverses the gearing. So now it winds backwards into the canister. Amazing, That's, right? that's mm-hmm. beautiful. So when you finish shooting it, you just pull up. So each hands. roll gives you two discs. No, my God. Each no, roll of film oh, oh, no. will give you 140 pairs of images. Oh, of that's, images. that's beautiful. What? So you can get 10 discs. On. You can take this camera on, on vacation with one roll of film and shoot like a dozen ViewMaster oh. discs with it. So you, you're just doing like your best. All right. uh, yeah, it, it goes forever. On one roll. Yeah, I didn't even do that. I cut out. I, I took about 30 shots and then just cut the film out. What, so, what stock did you shoot the Smooth Sailors with? Uh, that was an old roll of Ektachrome, expired Ektachrome okay. 400. Okay. Mm-hmm. I wanted something fast. Um, so what you get is, so at the end you develop your E6, and you get your roll of film, and you put it through this, this thing pops up, you load the film into here. Blah, blah, blah. So then you've got these two little windows with the light shining up, and I can see my two images. So then I advance through, this is already all been cut out. 
I advance through until I find the pair that I want, and then and pop, pop them it. out. And then these two little images fall through. Oh shit! <laughs> and there they are. And then I just slide them right into the disc, and they go right across done. from each other. That's cool. So then, when, when you're all done, uh-huh. you end up with gum that looks like that, Swiss cheese. So there's still some on there that I didn't actually use up. But I went through and selected out the ones that I want to have on the disc. And I only shot the top half of this, so normally you would have the whole bottom half would be shot up too. This thing would just be... Kodachrome would look amazing. It still does, because a lot of the discs you buy were shot on Kodachrome. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so I I did get my my personal viewer, or my personal cutter uh, on eBay a few months ago. When I originally started doing this, you could get these Viewmaster discs all over the place. But by the time I went to go buy them, they were gone. So you can buy them on Amazon, but they're out of stock forever. There's no more left on eBay. There were no anywhere. I know who's buying them all from you. I went to a show in January. There's a photographer. His name's Christopher uh, Schneberger. He... You just made that up. No, no. Oh, here, I've, got his, I've got his site up here. <laughs> Sinjin he, uh, he does work and prints them on Viewmaster Reels. So he did this, uh, he had this show in Columbus. I went to see it. It was called Phantasmagoria. And he does like this yeah. horror theme kind of stuff. Here you go. I have the well, site pulled see. up so you can take a look at it. Um, but I'm all, surprised all these are some of the stereo chrome sites have not chrome 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 color slide film so yeah it's like ghost like Holy 3D crap. ghost stories That's oh awesome. it's excellent excellent work I'm probably butchering that. his name but we'll we'll share that in the the, the shoe notes it's uh, it's pretty cool stuff I don't know what it is like I I haven't seen a viewmaster slide since I was in grade school and now all well, of a sudden. Do you have anything yeah. for the show to tell anybody? Yeah. Oh, no, we, well, were just, we were just talking about it. Okay. Yeah, so I... Oh, okay, oh, okay. So I tracked down... Um, I, so the last time we talked about them, we talked about that the, there's a really great website that's a repository of everything Viewmaster on the web, that very 90s-looking website. And I emailed the guy and said, is there anybody still at this address? And uh, where can I get blank discs? And he said, try... This guy, Berezin Stereo Photography Products, B-E-R-E-Z-I-N, Z-I-N. I got on, and he had them in stock, and I PayPal'd him the 30 bucks, and like three days later, I got my little pack of, of blank mounts. So those are new? These are new old stock. The, apparently, oh. the machine that made these broke in like the late 80s, and they never bothered to fix it. So whatever, whatever you have, whatever you can get. Is all old stock. Is there a, a cult behind this? When I say that, I mean, is there like online forums, groups, yeah. uh, Yahoo groups? Not much, <laughs> not too much. I think it ha- I think I think I'm on the on the cutting edge here of, of hipness. There must oh, be a little group. A punching you, edge, but the, you could. The websites that I find that I have found on this are kind of out of date. Like I think mm. it was really big 15 or 20 years ago, and it seems like it's kind of out of fashion right now. But I highly recommend it. There's, I've also seen a big surge in I need um, this one. Oh, uh, Jenga. I've seen a big surge in the cutters popping up on eBay in the last month again, too. So the, the cutters had been going for 150 to $200. Now I'm seeing them go for like 100 120 Like the prices have started to come down because the, the market's a little flooded. So grab a cutter. Don't try and do it by hand. That sucked. No way. And <laughs> the cutter you know is Those, so easy to use. The wheels themselves mm-hmm. there's no reason why you could not crank those out in pairs on like a cricket something like that a cricket cutter well the now and i understand you you would have pockets. to you've got to mount your slide in there on one side before you assemble it so yeah. it's not perfect won't make a pocket for you maybe as much but 
That'd be easier than trying to make a uh, cutter, I think. Well, but that's what I did was when I did my first one, my, my prototype was uh-huh. I took a modern Viewmaster disc. I put it in my, my toaster oven for 30 seconds just to melt the glue, and the two sides peeled apart. Got it. So I already had two nice sticky parts that mm-hmm. were factory cut. And then I hand assembled it. Yes. And I put it back together. And some were upside down and they were reversed. Oh. And I couldn't get left from right correct. And they had glue on them. And it was just like a disaster. Man. For $5 each, this is so worth $5 yeah. to just have it done for you. Those are little pockets. Be here for when you slide it in, it bottoms out at exactly the right place. I, I just, sure. when I did the sledding disc, I just went through and I just stuck them all in, put it in the thing dead on. Every one of them lines up perfectly. So it's worth just doing it right. Well, and actually, too, if the source would dry up, there are so many really not popular, I'm going to say, Viewmaster disc, mm-hmm. and they get a little dry and they, they pop out, you could probably reuse it for your own stuff, too. Yeah. So it says Yosemite on it. Who cares? But well, there's still, I mean, I've got boxes of them. There's a good supply of these. I'm not <gasps> saying that if you... If, I'm not Do you know what you need? What do you I need? need the projector. Oh, well, that would be cool. There's a viewfinder. Uh, there is a Viewmaster projector. projector. Really? I have one. But would you see it in 3D? Uh, Everything's in 3D, man. Yeah. Well. <laughs> would it be projected? Whoa, that eventually? screen looks so realistic. I can, I can almost touch it. Actually, there were two, but two kinds. The one I have only projects mono from one side. Uh, yeah. Well, actually, but, I scanned... But they do make 3D. Just, just today on my Flickr account, I posted a couple of stereo pairs mm-hmm. of these, of the Smooth Sailors and one of my daughter's studies. So you can look at them on your okay. phone screen and do the cross-eyed thing. And, and uh, you can see John in 3D drinking seltzer. So instead, just like he just did. So instead of, you know, you see on the web of like disinterested families all disconnected, each looking at their cell phone, the Dalzell family, everyone's looking at a Viewmaster. Passing around the Viewmaster. Last night in my kitchen, my wife and daughter and I all passed around the Viewmaster... Dazzled by Dane's beard <laughs> and John's ability to drink Dane's seltzer. Dane's beard looks so great. Dane's beard in 3D. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, yeah, I, I, I completely so love cool. this thing. So, so I still have four blank discs. I'm totally buying a bunch more of these. Every family gathering now, I'm going to be shooting okay. Viewmaster. I was going to say, is this just the phase? No, I love this. this if you've got cool. Viewmaster discs, send them in. Film Photography exactly. Project. If you've got blanks, please uh, do. If you remember, I mounted... From my stereo camera that I talked about, mounted them on cards to be used with the old style. I'm going to do a series at the Jones Mansion because we have a viewer at the Jones Mansion that people just sit and look at old stereo cards. But I'm actually going to photograph the house, interior and exterior, and make a set of cards of the house to put in the stacks in there, too. Definitely. You you must have stereo cameras, right? I do, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I talked about it on the show. Hey, <laughs> no. Today? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Some time ago, but but yes, exactly. Um, sure. The stereo is just too much fun. I love stereo. I just think that's great. These these, these are, are great. I love these discs. So yeah, I'm going to be buying a bunch more. So of how many of us grew up having a Viewmaster? I had a Didn't we all? <gasps> yeah, I had a yeah. Disney one. I, oh. I had the red one. Really one. Mine had Mickey Mouse ears. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Did it really? Oh, oh. yeah. See, my every. I just bought one for my kids like maybe five years ago. Really? And they're digital now? No, this was like. Old school. I, I don't know where they came from. They I will. Been I will. In some uh, foreign country. They were kind of wacky. I'll loan you the Smooth Sailors disc so you can show <sighs> the kids if you give this back to me. <clears throat> I got to find the. the uh, all right, find it. He's got to find the kids to first. got to find the viewer. All right. I'd like so to see the, the Smooth Sailor one again. Yeah. Were there services where you could send out your Viewmaster and they would make lati- lati- oh, make prints make prints of them? Prints, yeah. Not 
That would be crazy. Not to my knowledge. I just found a stack of my lenticular prints. I should have brought them. Fuji but still does those in Japan. I would love do to they? do some of yes. that. My daughter would freak the out. The beard yes. looks amazing. Oh, that beard, yes. beard in it's like in amazing. so <laughs> different dimensions. You, you see can it? smell it. <laughs> the dimension, like there's so many dimensions of the beard. Yeah. yeah. I'd actually oh, bet at the time if they offered prints, they'd only make it from one side. Okay. So that's the update, Mark. That's my update. That's Do it. Cool. Get it. Get on uh, so okay. the website where you can get the blank the blank discs while he still has them because they're running low. Is uh. uh uh, What's not on here? Huh? Berezin. What? Dot com. B e r e z i n. Dot com or b e r e z i n. Dot com. Either one should work. I'd like to uh, thank everyone for uh, joining us for this. Uh, you know, I've, while we've been recording, I've been shooting with uh, the the Caputo T4 camera. <laughs> oh. And I tell you, I have to tell you for for this this camera, it's, it's a Canon, a Canon. I like it. Oh, I like it. It looks like the junkiest camera on the planet. I really. It's is it so. Sure shot? It is. It's a sure shot. <laughs> no, it's a Caputo T4. Yes. Oh, it's a T9. No, oh no, T4. It's custom building. T4s. It's custom building. It puts tape over. Oh, that's funny. It's from our uh, friend Mike Caputo. Aloha. I'm really enjoying shooting with this camera. It's the kind. And also, Mark D. Uh, remember, uh, Mike Caputo sent us his uh, the sprockets. Remember the how to? Yes, that is him. Remember he sent us the how to how to make do sprockets at home without the adapters. Yeah, his duct tape adapter. His duct tape adapter. I'm using it in a Holga. Oh, and it works. Perfect combination. Perfect. Great. So, a pod. He's got some good Instagram pictures. Podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. Oh yeah. Please do send us some correspondence, a little note. We're on the social media. Please like our Facebook page. Like Did you get face. your voicemail set up again? That's the best part. Oh, I should get the voicemail set up. Going. I'm going to get the voicemail set up again. Here, the in the past, we had it set up when we get calls like this. Hey, guys. I love your show. I've listened to them all, some of them twice. Uh, this is Dan calling from uh, Mountain View, California, out here in the Bay Area. I like when Darren would call. Oh, yeah. I'll ask Darren to call. Darren. Call. Right now, it's like it's like dinner time there. Oh, you want to FaceTime? <laughs> All right, we'll talk to you guys soon. I think I'll take a trip to Mexico. I'm heading down to Tijuana. Maybe I'll meet up with some banditos. I'll play some music in the bar there. Take my guitar and my sombrero And maybe I could fly the band in We'll play the songs that we all used to know And everybody will be dancing Tijuana Tijuana
pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. What's the problem? I think you know what the problem is just as well as I do. What are you talking about, Hal? This mission is too important for me to allow you to jeopardize it. 